Now, the Fiesta Bowl matchup with Liberty looms. So who are the breakout players? I think there could be a couple. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays, everybody. The Fiesta Bowl is just not that far away. So who could be breaking out? Well, that question was on the mind of Nathaniel. And if you have questions on your mind, YouTube comments, Twitter, or priority access over at subtext as well. Link in the description below. Nathaniel sends in the question, breakout players in the Fiesta Bowl. The other way to ask the question is, who needs to break out in the Fiesta Bowl? Casper or Dickey maybe, or Pleasant or Austin or Martin. So I think when you're talking about breakout players in the Fiesta Bowl, you have to look at where there is an opportunity, whether that's created by a player in the transfer portal or going to the NFL draft or an injury or what have you. I think that there are a couple of candidates. And the first guy that I'm starting with is Cole Martin. I think that Cole Martin on the defensive side of the football, I have been high on this guy since we first saw him in the spring game. I think he truly can be an all-conference cal- all caliber defensive back. Now, whether or not he'll have the opportunity to see the field as much, I think you can debate. Depends on how much you know Evan Williams and Steve Stevens uh, decide to play in the game, if they do ultimately decide to play in the game. But I think for a secondary that is – you know, there's no Triquez Bridges there. You've got Kyrie Jackson off to the NFL. Jaleel Florence presumably still out with an injury. I think whether lining up at slot or lining up on the outside, you could see a game from Cole Martin. I, I think he could get an opportunity there. Maybe not the biggest one, but he's the guy who I would love to see pop and then develop into a key player for Oregon in 2024, which is kind of everything that, that we're looking at in the Fiesta Bowl, right? I mean, it's a it's a final chance to watch Bo Nix and Bucky Irving, of course, as that dynamic backfield and how great they've been for the last two seasons. And uh, Troy Franklin, Jackson Powers Johnson, Kyrie Jackson, they're not expected to play. But I think there are some other opportunities as well. So Cole Martin would certainly be one of them. Here's a sleeper for you. Here's a sleeper. Jaden Lamar at running back. So Dante Dowdell has entered the transfer portal. So he's not with Oregon anymore. Jordan James is still there. Bucky Irving's going to play in the game. But do you think Bucky Irving will play the entire game? I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe it'll be a normal workload. Maybe he won't. But Jay Lamar was talking recently at practice about how, you know, he's gotten more reps and feels like he's getting better because of those reps with Dowdell's departure. He's the number three running back. That much is clear. I wonder if Oregon doesn't give him an extended run in this game. So those are certainly a couple of guys on the interior of the offensive line. Look for Poncho at center assuming, and I don't believe he's going to, Jackson Powers Johnson does not play in the football game. Poncho has been the backup center, and when he is rotated in at right guard, left guard, or center, he's been fantastic. Poncho, for those who don't know, is Iapani Lalaulu, who is a true freshman, the younger younger brother of Feope Lalaulu, who is a backup tackle for the Ducks. 
and comes in in the jumbo package. Both guys have been really, really good this season on the interior. If JPJ isn't there, Poncho presumably is the starting center next year for the Ducks. And so he would be the guy, I would think, that would slide over to be the starting center in this game. And I will just say, if you think I am overvaluing a center in a bowl game for Oregon, do I need to bring it up? I probably don't for for hardcore Oregon fans out there. So uh, I think that that's certainly a, a position to watch. On the perimeter. Between Kyler Casper, there's been a lot of buzz lately about Jurion Dickey, who apparently wasn't healthy throughout the course of this season. I think that Jurion Dickey is someone who can have a fantastic career. I, I don't expect him to do anything except have a big role next year for the Ducks. He recently came out and said, yeah, I was battling an injury this season, and that's why uh, you know, we didn't really hear from him very much. But, you know, he red shirts this year, so he's got a bunch of years of eligibility left. He could be an NFL guy if he has two great seasons in 2024 and 2025. But with Troy Franklin going to the NFL and presumably not playing in the Fiesta Bowl, which I don't expect him to, that creates a void at wide receiver. Now, Treshawn Holden is someone who I think could have a really big game I got a couple questions throughout the year that I tended to agree with as to whether Treshawn Holden was underutilized in the offense. My response at the time was, no, he's not being underutilized. He's fulfilling his role perfectly. But is he someone who has got more potential? Yes. I, I think Treshawn Holden is like Jordan James. So in 2022, Jordan James was exclusively a short yardage back. He almost never got the ball between the 30s or really between the 20s unless it was second or third and fourth, really third or fourth and two yards or less. But I always felt, you know, that's what his role is. They weren't underutilizing him because it's not like the guys in front of him weren't producing at a high level. But if you gave him an opportunity, like what the guys in front of him on the depth chart have, I always felt that Jordan James would be able to produce. And this year, yeah, he averaged over seven yards a carry once Noah Whittington went down. And figures to be one of the top two backs next year for Oregon. Heck, I could see a world in which he's the number one Oregon back. And Oregon would be in a good spot if that were the case, depending on how Whittington comes back from his injury. So I think Holden could have a big game. But throughout the course of this season, we regularly saw balls thrown in the direction of Troy Franklin and Tez Johnson. And then Terrence Ferguson at tight end. Those are probably your top three consistent targets. But then there was always a fourth. And sometimes it was Treshawn Holden. And sometimes it was Gary Bryant Jr., both of whom were transfers that came in this offseason and had really nice years. With Troy Franklin out, you would presume probably that Gary Bryant would go over there and play X. He's you know super versatile, and Treshawn Holden has uh, been playing the Z spot for the Ducks. But I think that you could have a Jurion Dickey or a Kyler Casper breakout. I, I, I think it's possible. I I don't think it's quite as likely as a lot of people would like to think because for Bo Nix, we've seen him, you know, really rely on guys that he trusts, whether that's Tez Johnson, who remember he went to Dan Lanning and said, I think there's this guy, he can help us. He was right about that. He already knew Troy Franklin from the prior season. The two newcomers, meanwhile, and Terrence Ferguson as well, the two newcomers didn't see as many regular targets as the other three guys. So I think that for Bo Nix, he tends to like to throw to guys that he knows and trusts. And yes, he facilitates and spreads the ball around in a phenomenal way. But in a big spot, you always knew he was going to number number 11, number 15, or number three. 
Troy Franklin, Tez Johnson, or Terrence Ferguson there. So I think even if I would love to see Kyler Casper have a big breakout game, I, I'm really high in his potential. I'm high on Dickey as well. If either guy does get an opportunity to see more snaps, I don't know how many targets they will necessarily get. So I'd pump the brakes on, you know, those guys having, you know, a five catch, 120 yard, two touchdown game or, or, or something like that. They, they've got the potential for it. Absolutely. But I don't know that that's quite as likely as, you know, some Oregon fans might think, though it is a, a logical point uh, to raise for sure. There is one more guy who I think breaks out on the defensive side of the ball if he is given the opportunity to play, which, given the depth chart, is entirely possible. I think that if you go to eBay Motors, you're going to figure out that what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. Passion, drive, and patience. Just like that eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, second segment sip action as I talk about one more, one more potential breakout player. And let me know in the comment section, by the way, who you think could be a breakout player in the Fiesta Bowl. The last guy that I'm looking at here is one of two players that was mentioned in the original question by Nathaniel, and that's Roderick Pleasant or Dalen Austin. Both were highly rated four-star recruits in the 2023 cycle. Both saw pretty limited action this year, although I'd be remiss if I did not shout out Roderick Pleasant, who saw some action on special teams this year, making a tackle on a two-point play to kind of ease the minds of the Oregon team and Oregon fans against USC way, way, way long ago when that game was played. So that makes me think that Pleasant is higher than uh, Dalen Austin on the depth chart, though both are talented. I think the one player I remember from Dalen Austin came against Portland State, and it, it reminded me a lot of Jaleel Florence. He just kind of stepped in, true freshman, looked the part, made a play. So I think one of those guys – we'll see the field in in a more significant way than we have seen against a, a good team. And Liberty is not a great team, even though they're 13-0, but they are, make no mistake about it, a good football team. So I think that for Austin or Pleasant, you know, no TriQuest Bridges and no Kyrie Jackson and no Jaleel Florence, you're just making your way down the depth chart there. And so for the Ducks going into this game, I'd expect Dante, Man Dante Manning to be at one corner, Probably Nico Reed at the other corner. But then who slides in there? Again, that's why I mentioned Cole Martin earlier. But I think that Martin is a guy who could play, you know, some nickel or maybe some safety, which is what he played this year. And then at the outside corner positions, I think the Ducks are just pretty thin. And so you, you just look at the, the at the depth chart and the injuries the Ducks are battling. And I don't think Jaleel Florence would play in this football game. And I'd say, yeah, 
I don't know where else Oregon is going there. And I could see one of those true freshmen play. And I think that'd be a great opportunity for Dan Lanning and the staff to, you know, use this game as an opportunity to get those guys meaningful reps and experience. Like I was talking about with Jane Lamar earlier. It is an advantage to be able to have a bowl game at this point in the season, to have had practices this whole time, get guys more reps, and then you could go out in something that's a heck of a lot better than than a scrimmage in the Fiesta Bowl. You play on New Year's Day. You're going to have millions of people watching. So guys get used to that sort of stage and environment and whatnot, and you go play a good team that wants to win the football game too. So, yeah, I'd, I'd pick any one of those guys as a potential breakout player here. But like I said, let me know in the comments section or on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks to tell me know who you think could have a big game. So good question, Nathaniel. Love that one. Here's a curious one. And by curious one, I mean curious question uh, or idea. This from Simon Spencer. I'm all for us getting Dylan and Dante, Dylan Gabriel, Dante Moore, the quarterbacks. But here's where my worry is. What about Austin Novosad? I'm afraid what happened to Ty is going to happen to Austin. What are your thoughts? Well, before I get to that specifically, does anyone think it's out of the realm of possibility that Austin Novosad could see some time in this game? Oregon is a gigantic favorite, 17 and a half points. It's one of the largest, I believe it's the largest point spread of all the New Year's Six Bowl games. Georgia's only favored by Florida against Florida State by 14 and a half. So Vegas thinks that if Oregon plays to their potential, the Ducks are winning this game by 20 or more points. Bo Nix is going to the NFL after this season. Everybody understands that. But he wants to play in the bowl game, and we all respect and appreciate him for that. But at some point in time, if Oregon's got a 25-point lead, you know, going into the fourth quarter, is there a downside to putting Austin Novus out on the field? When you're talking about breakout players, guys that are going to see the field that haven't much or at all throughout the course of this year, is it out of the realm of possibility to think that Novosad could go out there and get to run a couple of drives? I don't think so. And here's the thing with Austin Novosad. As I record this show, which is December 21st, because podcasting and technology are neat that way, Novosad was at a press conference after practice, and the media asked him questions about everything like that and said something to the effect of, you know, what Luke Moga tweeted out, which was, you know, iron sharpens iron. And he's excited about being in a tough quarterback room and all the competition that there will be. I don't think we really know what Austin Novosad's mindset is. Could I see him entering the portal? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But he hasn't done that yet. At least as I as I record this show. He has not entered the portal. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he would. Because even if you think that the quarterback room is too crowded for for you to earn the starting job, even though Novosad is a talented kid, someone who I've talked about on the show before as, yeah, I I can see him being a starter for Oregon one day. And I still could. There's a world in which that happens. It's not as likely as it was before because Dante Moore has been introduced into the fold. And Moore is someone who, you know, the Ducks wanted before they flipped Austin Novosad from Baylor, and maybe he winds up back at Baylor one day. Maybe he ends up going to you know, a different school out west or somewhere back in the middle of the country where he's from. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that if you're Austin Novosad and you're thinking about your future, looking at the quarterback room and saying, boy, I'm going to get passed over here. I'm not going to be able to you know, reasonably compete for a starting job because they clearly want these guys. He might be thinking that. 
but why do you have to leave Oregon after one season? You could have the opportunity in the, in the Fiesta Bowl potentially to put some film together and go out and play against Liberty with Oregon up big. That'd be pretty a pretty great experience for you. And even thinking into the future, you know, you talk about Ty Thompson, who, you know, just kept getting beat out by transfers because the staff wanted someone who was more ready to start. Austin Nova said, did not expect to start as a true freshman. Oregon didn't expect him to start as a true freshman. I didn't expect him to, to start as a true freshman. Nobody else did either. So this first year at Oregon, I don't think was him looking at his college future and saying, wow, that was such a wasted season. I thought I was going to do more. This is exactly where I think everybody pretty much thought Novosad would be in terms of his personal development. Now, the Dante Moore variable certainly changes that calculus for him. However, he could very reasonably stay a second year at Oregon and have the ability to start in his third year of college football. Why? Because this year, he learned from Ty Thompson, a veteran backup, who's spent three years behind veteran transfer quarterbacks, and Bo Nix, and watching the way that they prepare and learning the offense from a great offensive mind like Will Stein. Well, he could do that again next season. Learn from a veteran quarterback like Dylan Gabriel, a guy in Dante Moore with real starting experience. He could stay at Oregon for one more year, and then when he enters the portal maybe ahead of the 2025 season, he goes, okay. Now I've got two years of learning college offenses and seeing them in practice and getting up to speed and whatnot, rather than just one. You could make a pretty easy case that that's the best path for him. Here's another side of it. Austin Novosad might believe in himself more than some Oregon fans might. I personally think that Dante Moore is going to be the starter in 2025, or at least that's the game plan. Has every opinion I've ever had been right? proved to be true, played out exactly the way we thought it would, had no variables introduced that changed what actually ended up happening. Because last time I checked, that happens pretty often. Dante Moore could next year decide, nah, Oregon's not the right place for me. Novosad could beat him out for the starting job. We have no idea. We have no idea what's going to happen. 2025 is a long ways away. It is a long ways away. And so while there is certainly a path to him transferring, there's a world in which Oregon carries four quarterbacks on the roster for 2024. Moga was always, even more so than Novasad, I think, a developmental quarterback recruit. Novasad would be in year two. He was also dinged up a little bit this season. Dante Moore is certainly scheduled to be the backup, and Dylan Gabriel is going to start. But going into the Fiesta Bowl, I don't think it would make sense for Novasad to transfer ahead of that game. The portal closes on January 2nd. And look, maybe he plays in that game. He sees Dante Moore come in and decides, yeah, okay, I'm I'm actually not going to stick it out here. He could leave in the spring. And I think Oregon fans would wish him well. I know I certainly would. But I think there's still such a long way to go and so many different variables that have to play out that we can't know for sure you know, what he wants to do, what he should do, and what he's thinking about doing. So there is absolutely a world in which Austin Novosad never starts for Oregon, and it's more likely with the Dante Moore addition because of transfers, just like Ty Thompson. That's the world of college football now. But to say that it's all done, that it's all decided, no, I, I don't think you can with 100% certainty, maybe 85%, but not 100% certainty say this is what's going to happen 
in Oregon's quarterback room? Great question there. So I've got one more mailbag question to get to, and I think I'll do that after we talk about the 2024 class. So uh, a couple questions kind of come in sporadically here and there. I've seen commentary generated, but I also think it's just kind of interesting to talk about the 2024 true freshman and, you know, which guys after this top 10 recruiting class for the Ducks could make an impact next fall because we saw guys in the 2023 class make an impact. Excuse me, Iapani Lalaulu, tangible, positive impact for the Ducks. You look at Blake Purchase, Tatum Tuioti, Mateo Uyunglele, Cole Martin even played some meaningful snaps in there. That's, you know, five or six true freshmen that saw the field when the game was still on the line for the Ducks. Now, you're not going to have a bunch of those, but you're going to have some. And I think the question is who? So, you know, in talking to recruiting people like Brian Smith here on the show, Aiden Breland, I think, is a guy that makes an impact next year. And when thinking about whether a true freshman can make an impact, you got to think about his recruiting profile, absolutely, and whether or not he's seen as a college-ready prospect. You also have to think about the position group he's going into. And Oregon is suffering its biggest losses on the roster after the season. They're losing a lot of players, but they're also bringing back a bunch of talent. But on the interior of the defensive line, They've been going after Walter Nolan for a reason or Derek Harmon at Michigan State. Maybe they've committed by the time you're listening to or watching this show. But the interior of the defensive line is losing its top four guys. Brandon Dorless, Taki Taimani, Casey Rogers, Popo Amavai. Those are your top four. So you got to replace four guys. There's going to be an opportunity. And Brian, who... I think is as good of a guy at watching film and determining where a guy fits into an offense or a team as anybody that I've met in this sport. He is adamant that Breland is going to play in some capacity. Now, whether that's as a part of the run package, you know, in like a goal line set or just on run specific downs or just on passing downs because they think he can get after the quarterback or whatever, maybe, maybe that is the case. But I think that Aiden Breland's a guy who makes some sort of impact in year one, how much that remains to be seen. I think any of the four wide receivers could make an impact, but only one. I don't think there are going to be enough catches to go around or snaps to go around for more than one true freshman wide receiver to make a significant impact. You know, and it's easy to be caught up in the moment with a guy like Ryan Pelham, who I think reminds me a lot of Ashton Cozart. He came in as a four-star freshman last year and, you know, pretty highly touted recruit, never played a meaningful snap for the Ducks, played a couple, but did not. I don't know that he recorded a catch this year and he transferred to SMU. And that's certainly possible with any of these guys, depending on how much playing time they get in year one. But I think when you look at Oregon's receiver room, if it is, you know, Treshawn Holden, Gary Bryant Jr. and Tez Johnson supplemented by Kyler Casper, Jurion Dickey, and that's where a true freshman can come in. I, I think that's a spot where, you know, any one of Ryan Pelham, Jack Ressler, Dylan Gresham, or Jeremiah McClelland could have a role to play. A big role, they'd have to be pretty special. They'd have to be pretty special and pick up the playbook really quickly for that, but it's certainly not uh, impossible. And then the last guy is Aaron Flowers. Aaron Flowers has been getting a lot of hype at the high school rank with regards to, you know, his play, and he's an All-American coming out. And there's a ringing in my ear right now, and I don't know why. 
But I, I think that for Aaron Flowers, he's coming into a position once again where even with the addition of Kansas State transfer safety Kobe Savage, there are just not a lot of bodies back there. You, you've got a couple of freshmen from last year's class that I believe redshirted, Cody to Canberra and Tyler Turner. And then you've got Aaron Flowers coming in. You've got Tysheen Johnson returning. Cole Martin maybe goes back there. But I, I, I don't know that Flowers can't come in and at least have the opportunity to compete. Brian Addison out of the room. He transferred. Damon David transferred. And then Evan Williams and Steve Stevens, those two guys are out of eligibility. So that's four names that were in the rotation at some level in 2023 out of the room. And Oregon has brought in one guy, one guy. So, you know, maybe they feel DeCambra or Turner are, are ready as redshirt freshmen, but I think flowers could certainly have a chance. But once again, let me know in the comments, true freshman that you're watching for uh, in the 2024 cycle that could make an impact here. Let's wrap up today's question with a little bit or today's show rather with some special teams talk. I'm always here for it. Are there statistics that back up the impression of the kicking game being more important than the Big Ten than in the Big Ten than in the Pac-12? Who is kicking for the Ducks next year? The second question is the more fascinating one. As for the first one, kicking only matters a great deal to the teams in the Big Ten that can't score. There are some great defenses in the Big Ten. I'm not denying that. But there are more bad offenses than there are great defenses. Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State can put up plenty of points on everybody. And I think it's a better defensive conference than what you've had in the Pac-12, though the Pac-12 is at Utah for the last couple of years. And that's consistently one of the best defensive staffs in all of college football. I think that for the Ducks, punting and kicking field goals is going to be just as important as it was this year. And make no mistake about it. The punting took a dramatic step forward. Ross James and Luke Dunn, it was primarily James, but Dunn had a couple reps as well. They were outstanding. They were outstanding. They had some fantastic puns. I'm stoked to have them back next year. It helps the defense in a big way when you can flip the field like that, and Ross James has got the foot to do it. So I expect him to be the punter next year. Camden Lewis, Oregon's all-time leading scorer, is, is done. So – Oregon now has to find a place kicker. And I've had questions before on the show about, hey, what uh, what about Oregon adding a transfer kicker? I don't know that that's going to happen because I am not familiar with a roster that carries more than two or three kickers. So Andrew Boyle's on the roster, though I don't know if he will be next year. It was kind of a weird situation where people who were directly covering the team weren't really sure where he was and when he was at practice and when he wasn't and everything like that. And he was away from the team. He was back. And it was just kind of a weird situation there. But they've got two kickers that are potentially going to start next year for the Ducks. There's Grant Metters, who is a freshman this year. I don't believe he recorded a stat. I will double check that real quick because I want to give him his credit if he did. But he was uh, viewed as a six-star prospect coming out of Liberty High School in Bakersfield, California. And he did not attempt a, a field goal or a PAT. He did attempt, excuse me, four PATs this year, but he did have a few kickoffs. And of those eight kickoffs, four of them were touchbacks, which is pretty darn good. And he hit all four of his PATs against Portland State. So that would be the logical choice. There is also Gage Herrick, who's coming in from West Lynn, 
also a pretty highly regarded kicker by the recruiting rankings. Here's what I'll warn you about getting excited about that. Camden Lewis was, I think, a five-star kicker. So it, it's a, it all comes down to what you can do on game days, what you got between the ears, and whether or not you can execute. But I don't think Oregon would bring in another kicker via the portal when they brought one in as a true freshman for 2024. That's Gage Hurick. And you have Grant Metters on there who kicked the football in game action last year against Portland State and you know hit all four of his PATs. He's never attempted a field goal. So if you could find a super experienced kicker, great. I know Oregon had the Oregon State kicker. I think his name is Atticus Sappington, who was 13 of 14 on field goals this year for a visit a while back. I haven't heard a peep about him since as I record this show. So I expect it to be either Metters or or Hurick. And iron sharpens iron. I'd let him battle it out if you're not going to go get a reliable transfer like Sappington. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.